This audio recording is produced by Food Addicts in Recovery Anonymous, also known as FA. FA is a program based on the 12 steps of Alcoholics Anonymous. It is free and open to anyone who wants to stop eating addictively. The following is one FA member's story of recovery. The opinions expressed here are those of the individual member and do not represent FA as a whole. If you are new or uncertain about FA, we encourage you to listen to several stories to gain an understanding of what the program offers. For information on the FA program, please visit our website, foodaddicts.org. Hello. Welcome to this virtual qualification recording of Food Addicts and Recovery Anonymous FA, recorded on Saturday, December 18th, 2021. I am a food addict from Pennsylvania, and I will share my story of recovery from food addiction. After a moment of silence, I will open with the serenity prayer. God. Grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, courage to change the things I can, and wisdom to know the difference. I joined FA in October of 2004 at 19 years old and 195 pounds. Today, I'm 36 years old and 135 pounds. I'm maintaining a 60-pound weight loss in this program. I grew up in a suburb of Boston with married working parents and an older brother. I played sports. I took piano lessons. I went to a public school. I had a very idyllic childhood in many ways. I did not have a weight or a food problem as a young child. I was tall and very thin. In fact, my grandfather called me Lungalutch, which is Yiddish for long noodle. My earliest memory of this disease starts in pre-adolescence, maybe fourth or fifth grade. In my early stages of food addiction, my disease manifested more as body obsession. I remember getting changed into my bathing suit for, you know, at summer camp. And I was constantly looking at my own body and the other girls' bodies and comparing and contrasting and wanting to know if I was okay. And I, for some reason, had this notion that I had a very inny belly button and that somehow meant that I was going to be a fat person. And Um, just really anxious that my body wasn't right or wasn't okay from a pretty young age. My earliest memory of overeating was actually at sleepaway camp. I went to an overnight camp for a month in the summer and we were not allowed to have food in our bunks because it would attract animals. So we would really only have access to food three times a day at mealtimes in the dining hall. And I would tend to lose some weight at summer camp because we were active and because I wasn't snacking. And one of my friends had mailed me a package. And whenever you got a package at summer camp, you had to open it in front of the counselors and they would confiscate any food products. So a friend mailed me a stuffed animal, which I was probably maybe fifth or sixth grade at that point. So we were a little bit old for stuffed animals. And when I got back to my bunk and read her letter, she explained that she'd taken the stuffing out and filled it with a sugar product. And I remember being secretive instead of telling everyone that I had gotten this contraband and we could all go out into the woods and eat it. I didn't tell anybody because I didn't want to share it. And I just remember being in afternoon activities and lying and saying I didn't feel well and needed to go to the infirmary and going back to my bunk alone and binging on that sugar product, eating it all at once and feeling like, And that was sort of the beginning of my secret 
binging. And I remember thinking I had to eat the whole thing because if I didn't, I would be thinking about it constantly. Like I knew I wouldn't be able to function knowing that I had this product. So I just had to eat all of it. And that kind of was a pattern for me. I had to finish the bag. I had to finish the box because I couldn't stand the idea of it still being there because the obsession was so strong. During middle school, I had a bat mitzvah in seventh grade and all the girls and I grew up in a town that had a pretty large Jewish population and all the girls in my town got their bat mitzvah dresses from this one store. And I didn't really fit into the clothes at that store. And that was sort of the first of a long run of unpleasant dress shopping experiences that I had as a result of having extra weight on my body. When I look at pictures from that time, I wasn't tremendously overweight. I was a little bit chubby, but I just remember feeling different, feeling big. When I look at pictures, you know, I looked a little matronly, a little bit older than some of my friends did. And I always had friends. I was always kind of well-liked and popular, but I always felt a little bit on the outside looking in. I remember, you know, going to a friend's house to get ready for a dance and the other girls were trading shirts and trading jeans. And I really couldn't do that because I wasn't the same size as the other girls. And I immediately assumed the role of like friends with the boys and the go-between between between the girls and the boys. And I just think I did that defensively. Like no one's going to just want to be my friend because of who I am. So I have to be of service. These boys aren't going to want to talk to me because they're attracted to me. But if I'm their communication to the girls, they do want to date, then they'll be nice to me. Just a lot of insecurity socially. I, at that time, my older brother was in high school and was abusing alcohol. And that was a really confusing time for me. My parents would talk to me that he had a problem and be trying to help him. And he would tell me that everybody in high school drinks like this and mom and dad are being crazy. And I felt kind of pushed and pulled and unsure what the truth was. And my eating definitely picked up at that time. I remember sort of the after school TV binge starting around that time. And when I got to high school in my town, it was like four middle schools merged to be this one big high school. And I just remember feeling like a small fish in a big pond. And a lot of my friends were starting to experiment with alcohol. And I had a lot of fear around that because of what I saw was happening with my brother. And so initially I abstained and that kind of pushed me out of the popular group. And I always enjoyed playing sports, but when I got to the high school level, there were all kinds of fitness requirements to make certain teams. I will never forget that to make varsity volleyball at my high school you needed to be able to run a mile in seven minutes and 20 seconds. And I could not do that. I couldn't even come close to that. And it was so painful for me, you know, doing these timed miles and coming in last or towards the end and just feeling like it was because I had a bigger body. And, you know, the truth is today I'm in a thin body and I'm still a really slow runner, (laughs) but it certainly didn't help having that extra weight on me. And I definitely attributed my inability to run a mile fast enough to my weight. And despite wanting to be able to run faster, it didn't help me lose weight because I couldn't put down food. And I remember, I'm skipping ahead a little bit, but my senior fall, I didn't try out for volleyball because I couldn't stand the humiliation of being a senior on junior varsity because I couldn't make the mile. So I joined the cross country team and 
you know, one of my defense mechanisms when I was overweight was self-deprecating humor. So I would come in, we'd have these big cross-country meets and I would be in like dead last out of hundreds of girls and I would crack jokes about it. But really I was, I would have loved to be competitive. And I think I thought that if I ran every day as a part of a team that I would lose weight, but as a food addict, I just ate more. I would go to team dinners, you know, and carbo load with all the elite runners, you know, and then I'd go home and say, I didn't eat at the team dinner and have another dinner with my parents. And my weight um, really spiked when I graduated high school, I was my top weight, which is 195 pounds. So I'll go back a little bit. My junior year of high school, both my parents found FA through a friend and got abstinent in the FA program. And I think if I had been a normal eater, I probably would have just been excited for my parents. They had been through their own journeys of trying various diets throughout the years and they found something and lost weight and were happy. But I really resented this program. I remember saying at one point, what's the point of being thin if all you ever do is chop vegetables and talk on the phone? Um, and just sort of cracking jokes. I really had no interest in joining this program, even when I had this totally painful experience of having to go out and buy a new prom dress nights before the prom because the dress that I had bought months earlier no longer fit because I had gained so much weight. So I was having all this pain around my weight and my eating, yet I had these two people abstinent in my house and I just wanted nothing to do with this program. So when I graduated high school in June of 03, I actually came to my first FA meeting. I'll never forget being in my you know, hoodie sweatshirt and sweatpants. And it was earlier in the morning than I cared to be awake on a weekend. And I was sitting between my parents and as each person stood up to read, they would say, hi, so-and-so. And I just thought, what is this? This is weird. But I got a sponsor because I wanted to lose weight before college. So my first sponsor in this program, I worked the food plan for about a month. I really had no interest in a fellowship, a higher power, a design for a living, or any of those other tools and gifts of the program. I just wanted to lose weight before college. And I did. I lost about 20 pounds in a month. And I said to my sponsor, I'm going to keep doing the food plan, but I'm not going to keep doing the program. And she said, great, maybe... You're, you know, a cucumber who hasn't become a pickle yet, meaning maybe I wasn't truly a food addict. I just needed some information about how to eat healthfully. And boy, did I want that to be my truth. I left for college and I had a mini fridge and a food scale and foods that make up an abstinent breakfast and good intentions. And I got to college and there was no boundaries around food, around alcohol, around men. And I just kept changing the rules. First, it was three weighted measured meals. Then it was, well, I won't weigh and measure, but I'll only eat three times a day. And then it was like, well, I can eat whenever, as long as it's not sugar or flour. Anyway, I gained the weight back very quickly. And the truth was up until that point, I had never really tried any other way to lose weight. I hadn't been through a million diets or anything like that. And so my sort of aha moment was, oh, if I just replace food for 
sugar-free gum, sugar-free mints, diet soda, low-calorie foods, I can eat all day and lose weight. So I started to you know, go to the gym, do cardio every day, and eat huge quantities of artificially sweetened foods. And what happened was I lost a little bit of weight. I had terrible gastrointestinal distress, which I now know I had aspartame poisoning because you're not supposed to ingest that amount of artificial sweetener. So I had pain in my stomach, gas, and I didn't lose the obsession for a second. I was constantly putting things in my mouth. I had this work study job at the preschool on campus, and my job was to go in the morning and basically arrange the snacks for the preschoolers. And I would chew gum so that I wouldn't put the preschooler snack foods in my mouth, but it wasn't enough. I'd spit out the gum, I'd eat their food, then I'd stick another piece of gum in my mouth and there'd be crumbs in the gum because I couldn't wait long enough to finish eating their snack before I put another piece of gum in my mouth. I just couldn't stop putting things in my mouth. I couldn't stop thinking about food. And so it wasn't sustainable. What I know now, in addition to the aspartame poisoning, is that I was feeding my cravings all the time. So my cravings got stronger and eventually I would just eat real food. My roommate had um, a container full of sugar and flour products that she kept under her bed and I couldn't stop eating them, even to the point where I would eat noticeable amounts. And then she'd go to have that product and say, hey, did you eat my XYZ? And I would, of course, say no. And then she would say, that's weird. Half of it's gone. I wonder if someone's coming into our room and eating our food. And I let her believe that someone might be coming into our dorm room and eating her snacks because I, I didn't, I was too humiliated to admit that it was me. And even after that, I continued to eat that product because I got to a place in my food addiction where it didn't matter how badly I didn't want to eat something. I couldn't not eat it. And for me, not wanting to eat, but not being able to stop eating was so painful. And I remember being in my freshman year intro to psychology class where the professor was talking about taste aversion. And he was saying how when cancer patients get chemotherapy, they often get very sick and vomit and any food that they ate right before the chemotherapy, they have an aversion to. And I started to hope that I might get cancer so that I could eat all these foods, have chemo, and then I would never want those foods again. Meanwhile, I have abstinent parents in this program. So that's how badly I didn't want to be an FA. I think I just, no, not I think, I know. I had fear not just about giving up the food, but about not being a typical college student. I so badly wanted to go out and drink alcohol with my friends. I wanted to sleep in. I didn't want to get up early and call a sponsor and weigh my food and go to meetings and make phone calls. I just wanted to fit in. That was always my story. I just wanted to be a part of, I wanted everybody to like me. I didn't want people to think I was weird. I, I remember thinking who's possibly going to date me if I don't drink and I don't eat certain foods and um, I eat out of Tupperware. That was the thing I was so humiliated about. Who will marry me if I eat out of Tupperware? 
So I just had so much fear. So despite being in tremendous pain around my food addiction, I wasn't desperate enough yet, I guess. In the fall of my sophomore year of college, after a period of control, which for me was exercising and eating diet foods, I was babysitting my cousins. I should mention, I went to college locally. So I wasn't far from home, even though I lived in the dorm. So I was babysitting my cousins. And after they went to bed, I had a huge binge, tried to make myself throw up, which I'd never done before. And that night, instead of going back to my dorm room, I drove to my home, my parents' home. And I just remember collapsing into their bed in tears and just saying, I give up. I can't do it anymore. And what was so amazing for me is all the reasons that I thought I couldn't possibly do this program. Once I was willing, there was a solution for all of those problems. I'll just give a few examples. I had a roommate and at that time people had cell phones, but they were extraordinarily expensive to use. So I wanted to be able to call my sponsor from my dorm room, but it was so early in the morning, I was afraid that I would wake up my roommate. And so my sponsor suggested I get an extension cord. So I would bring my dorm phone out to the dorm hallway and call my sponsor at 6.30 or seven, I don't remember what time it was, um, in the morning. It was like such a simple suggestion. And I ate in a dining hall and I didn't know how I could possibly commit my food. And my sponsor encouraged me to talk to the dining services people and they were able to give me the menu one week in advance so I could plan my meals and commit them to my sponsor. The first couple of times I weighed and measured in the dining hall, I didn't know the right system. And then I finally figured out I had to get my food first and then bring it to my seat and weigh it out. And every once in a while, I'd be a little short on something. And so I'd go back and get more. I, it took a little time, you know, to adjust. I remember being exhausted because I wasn't using caffeine or sugar or flour. And I was getting up so much earlier than I'd been accustomed to. And my body was detoxing and I was losing weight. And I would often take a nap between lunch and dinner in order to kind of make it to the next meal. And um, at the beginning, it was hard. I still wanted the food. I would go to meetings and people would share about, you know, putting on their bathrobes and eating all night. And I'd think, oh, that sounds so good. And what I didn't know is that the cravings would lift. I thought I would always want the food. Um, but what happened for me is over a period of time, my roommate's snack drawer stopped calling to me. I was able to be abstinent and it wasn't a struggle. And I really still struggled with social situations. And I actually ended up breaking my abstinence after two years of abstinence um, on alcohol, after a string of 21st birthday parties where I really didn't put my program first. I just thought I'm going to show up as if I weren't in FA and just not drink and eat at these events. And I really wasn't willing to change my life. I was willing to do the food and the tools, but I didn't want to adjust anything about my life. And so I started to get really resentful. It wasn't fun to be out with drunk people till 2 a.m. when I was sober and then get up early to go to a meeting. For a long time, I just felt resentful and angry that I couldn't be normal and that this program felt like the lesser of two evils rather than 
I didn't feel happy, joyous, and free. And so I ended up having a break on alcohol. I'm really grateful I didn't pick up food that night because I might've struggled to get my abstinence back. But I've been abstinent ever since then. So it's been a little over 15 years of back-to-back abstinence. And right after that break, I was miserable. I stayed abstinent, but I felt like I can't live without this program, but I can't live with this program. And I would talk to people and they would just say, well, while you're deciding to stay abstinent, just don't eat today, just don't eat today. And after a period of time, I found myself really putting both feet in the door of this program, finding joy in recovery, not just joy in being in a thin body and not having to lie about stealing my roommate's food. And I don't know, there's been a lot of life since then. I, I, I took a year long dating commitment, which I was really annoyed about because I felt like, what does that have to do with anything, you know, with my food addiction? And I even met a guy close to the end of my dating commitment and was going to break the commitment. And my sponsor was like, no, you made a commitment. I was like, what if he's my husband? And she was like, he's not. And you know what? He wasn't. Um, So I did that dating commitment. Then I went back and, you know, went back to date. And I'm so grateful that I was solid in my abstinence before I dated because I was able to say, oh, that restaurant doesn't work for me. And instead of eight o'clock, can we meet at 630? And I'll never forget when I was dating my now husband he invited me to some event that his friends were going to be at. That was like, I won't go into the details, but it was just, and would have been a nightmare to navigate as an abstinent person. And I just said, that's not my jam. I'll meet your friends another time. And it was like, that was recovery for me, not to change who I am and what works for me and what is right for me to please someone else that I'm afraid they won't like me if I don't do the thing that they're asking me to do. And I just had so much confidence. Um, I kind of fast forward over uh, a breakup and staying abstinent through a really challenging breakup, but I guess that doesn't feel as relevant to me this morning. Um, But yeah, so I'm in a beautiful marriage. I have two beautiful children. I was able to maintain my abstinence throughout two pregnancies. My first trimester was extraordinarily challenging with both pregnancies because I had very extreme morning sickness, nausea and vomiting. And I've never, you know, I didn't want to eat, but I was always thinking about food because I was trying to think about what I could possibly palate. And my sponsor and I, you know, we made adjustments, but I stayed abstinent. Everything was weighed and measured and abstinent and run by my sponsor. And boy, was I relieved when I felt better and could go back to my normal food plan. And I gained about 20 to 25 pounds with both pregnancies. Never in my wildest dreams did I think I would be one of those pregnant women who looked like I swallowed a basketball, but I was one of those pregnant women who looked like I swallowed a basketball. Having newborn babies and abstinence was a challenge. Sleep deprivation, you know, nursing, just, I felt like my world had been turned upside down. Motherhood was humbling, is humbling for me, but I was so grateful to be abstinent. I'm so grateful to, to be in a right size body, in a sane mind, raising these children. In March of 2020, their preschool closed for COVID. 
and my husband's a healthcare worker. So that was the start of five months of me being home alone with at the time, a one and a half year old and a three and a half year old while trying to do my full-time school counseling job remotely. And I would just shudder when I would think about what it would have been like to have picked up food during that time. This program was my lifeline, one day at a time, one meal at a time, pushing my kids in the stroller with my Bluetooth in, calling other FA members for, you know, to, sh to connect, to share experience, strength, and hope. It could have been really bad. And I didn't, the other pieces I didn't want to eat. And I had, I was preparing you know, young children's food all the time. And it wasn't my food and I didn't want to eat it. And it was just such a miracle. And so more recently in the previous school year, when I went back to my school counseling job and my kids went back to preschool, my job became very, very overwhelming to me. It was a combination of teenagers having significant mental health issues and parents having really high expectations, and then my own children having pretty inconsistent childcare because of the pandemic. If there was someone in the class that tested positive, they'd be home for two weeks. And I just became so overwhelmed and stressed that I let go of my job last June. And it was an extraordinarily difficult decision to me. I felt very entrenched in my work. I didn't know who I'd be. I didn't want to let anybody down, but I knew that I could feel my tools slipping away um, and I did not want to pick up the food. So I let go of my job and, oh, it's been such a gift to really return to program as my number one priority and family next, you know, a close second and not have, you know, the constant feeling like I was doing too many things and I wasn't doing anything particularly well. So I'm grateful you know, I have moments where my self-esteem and self-worth kind of dips because I feel like I'm not doing enough. And I have tools in this program. I call people, I talk to my sponsor, I talk to my higher power about it. And I just remember one of my favorite mantras that I learned here is I have enough, I do enough, I am enough. And so I'm just extremely grateful that I'm, my program's in its place. I have more time with my children. And when I'm with them, I'm not drafting a response to an email for work in my head. When I'm with them, I'm with them. When I'm putting them to bed, I'm thinking, I'm not thinking, when is this put down going to be over? Because I have 5 million things I have to do before I go to bed and I'm exhausted. You know, I'm just so grateful that, you know, right now we're able for me to take this break from work. Um, so that I can be abstinent. So I just want to say for anybody that might be new or might be struggling, that the beginning is really hard and it gets easier. It says in the big, big book, don't quit before the miracle happens. And that's been so true for me because early abstinence was really hard for me. And I got so much comfort out of people who'd been in the program for five years, 10 years, 20 years, even 30 years in the area that I was in my early abstinence. And I would think there's no way these people would stick around if this didn't get easier, if this didn't get better. And it does. So keep coming back. 
don't quit before the miracle happens. Thanks. I will now close with a moment of silence and the serenity prayer. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, courage to change the things I can, and wisdom to know the difference. Thank you for listening to this audio recording. To hear additional recordings or to learn more about Food Addicts and Recovery Anonymous, you can visit our website, foodaddicts.org.